Traveling around the UK, haven't you? You're in London at the moment, so that's right. Fantastic. Checking out our well, it's actually been quite nice weather, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like being home for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> good stuff. You don't always get it like that, so no. <laughs> so, so fantastic. Um, I mean, just to just to introduce, obviously, uh, we have. I, I was just saying, I haven't done one of these for a couple of weeks, so it's good to kind of get get back on the uh, on the into the swing of things. Um. GCS, you know, is a technology recruitment specialist, uh, work worldwide, and we work with HANA over many years. Um, GCS Connect is our way of, of connecting expert talent to innovative companies, um, a way of building a community for the types of people that we work with. Um, and the Leader Series is an opportunity for me as the CEO to speak to other leaders within the industry, both in terms of technology, C-level, uh, in terms of leadership, to really understand. We started it off with we're at with COVID and lockdown, but the way we see it kind of going forward is very much more about um, people who have really great ideas talking about business and staffing, and hopefully other people can watch that and, and learn from it. So we've got Hannah with us today. Hi, Hannah. She's a technical staffing specialist with uh, six and a half years industry experience. Um, and from quite a lot of the conversations we've had, a real evangelist for L&D, DEI, and diversity, and someone that uh, spoke on one of our panels uh, a few weeks ago, um, and talking about those types of topics was really good. She works uh, for a company called Vitek, based in New York, and they're an enterprise uh, SaaS company that work within benefits software. So I'm sure we'll find out more about that, because obviously, particularly in the US, that's a particularly kind of big industry. Um, and yeah, we've had quite a few chats, haven't we, Hannah, over the last kind of... Yeah. Uh, three to six months. Um, I've, I met you, God, I actually met you in one of your offices, in one of your previous employers. Imagine that, like actually meeting in an office and that sort of thing. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, obviously that's my introduction. Can you tell us a bit about yourself, what, what you're interested in and potentially like how, how, you, how you found the last few months? Sure. Um, at a high level, I mean, you did a beautiful intro, so thank you, David. But I, I manage a variety of searches across the corporate sector, but I specialize in tech recruiting. That's really how I came up in the, yeah. in the recruiting space. And um, particularly my interests are in creating outside of sourcing and mm. actually onboarding candidates successfully and, and closing them, it, creating internal processes that actually work, that are optimized for efficiency and that are humane mm. and kind. And also teaching interviewers who may have never done it before how to assess for the pillars of success as we used in one of my former companies as the term to know yeah. what to look for to, to to be able to to be able to identify what would make someone successful on my team and yeah. of course onboarding which is in in many ways uh the thing that gets dropped in the talent yeah, space yeah. because it fits between someone starting and and you know talent acquisition so it's really between hr support and talent acquisition um and you know uh Basically, you're right. I'm I'm a huge evangelist for DEI and, and ERG development, and that's how I learned to recruit. Really, I started yeah. working with some colleagues on the recruiting side at Two Sigma, uh, an algorithmic trading based hedge fund in New York, um, several years ago, and that's sure. by helping them uh, with 
I was actually chairing one of our ERGs. It was the uh, it was Out Sigma, one of the LGBTQI AERG mm. groups that we had. That I was just kind of brought on to on the road with them. Went to conferences and and learned how to to sort of soft sell and learned the the, the very basics. And then started to just build my my interests from there and just started asking lots of questions. And then within a year and a half, I realized this is what I want to be doing full time. Yeah. There's a lot of people. I mean, our founder actually came from a kind of tech background. The guy who founded GCS guy called Chris Barlett. There's a lot of people come from a tech background and kind of come into recruitment and obviously understand kind of the words and understand the job a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. But obviously, I, I'm assuming what, what you would like more out of a job is less, less numbers, more human beings, right? That's, yeah, uh, that's, that's why right. you do it that way. Um, how do you find having that background, that understanding of data and of, of, of the actual systems itself helps you when you're, when you're talking to people within the technology industry? Well, I never had a deeply uh, embedded, you know, I'm not a data analyst or a data scientist, but I, I could speak the language because I worked really closely with data engineering. And, and uh, it's, it's a vocabulary that's really specific. So I think the more that you can understand conceptually how it works and, and meet someone where they are on their playing field when you're talking to them, the, the easier it is to attract talent, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and I think, I think that's true. I think you know, the, best, the best recruiters, the best talent people, the best base HR people are very kind of interested in the jobs that their people do and, and like to, to be able to talk the talk in some ways, don't they? You know, yeah, I, I think, yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead, David. So I, I worked in the embedded software engineering market. So it's kind of Linux device drivers, C. Um, and I always think that one of the reasons why I was able to be quite successful is it, one, it really interested me. You know, I'm actually interested yeah. in this, what the hell you guys like missiles and phones <laughs> and, <laughs> set top boxes i was kind of wow this is amazing and then secondly you know by being able to kind of open up to people in something that really interests them then they always kind of open up more to yourself and you i guess you found that yourself that's right i think it's one one thing i've learned probably the hard way but at least i learned it now was mm. don't be afraid to admit that you don't know something yeah I found and, yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think i find that you know because you're not expected to know it, are you? It's not like, oh, well, what do you mean you don't understand what, how to build a, a suite in Kubernetes or something? It's like, well, how, I don't expect you to be able to do that, but I'm very happy to take you through it. And I find, I find the people that are the best at doing it, usually the, the people that are best suited for the job, best for the interview, are going to fit in more in the culture, that sort of thing. It's, it's the ones that, that can't communicate it to us lay people that are usually the ones that are not as well suited for these companies is it yeah i think that's i think there's definitely some truth to that for sure yeah so so from, from your side obviously um you're working for, for vitech at the moment mm -hmm. um uh, how has how has the the, the last kind of six months been for them as a business i'm assuming kind of digitizing systems and that is actually quite a kind of busy time really for them yeah, I mean, being in the software space, specifically in the benefit space, has meant that there is a part of the business that's particularly, it was already the biggest part of the business, but it has, yeah. it's still trucking along, you know? Yeah. Um, and we are very fortunate at Biotech to be, I think, to have executive management that are, I think, prudent in the right ways, uh, yeah. financially. Yeah. And we had no layoffs, no offer rescissions, no hiring freezes. So there is a real... Uh, sort of 
<laughs> collective sigh, I think, uh, amongst all of us there. So, so that's one piece of it. And it's kind of enabled us to feel a little bit more free to be creative, to find new areas of the business to help. Um, sure. Certainly to, for me personally, to get more involved in other HR practices where we, we have a really lean people team yeah. operation um, to help with developing some of our cultural initiatives like employer relations, um, yeah, yeah. Or sorry, you know, even, even ERGs to some extent, which are mm. kind of, we're on the precipice of building. Um, there's a lot of opportunity and we, we recognize very much that we're in a super fortunate position. So Vitech itself is, is safe. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say, I mean, would you say, I mean, we've talked about it a lot um, in, you know, the talent side and diversity. We're going more into the different um, group sessions that you've kind of been involved with. But um, would you say that um, the, the HR is becoming a lot more kind of strategic in the way it drives, dr drives the workforce? I've seen that quite a lot. I mean, we talk as a recruiter, for myself as a technology recruiter up until six months ago these conversations were never integral to qualifying a role mm. um, talking to a talent person um, i think very much it was about can this person do this technical skill yeah to me i think i think it's good because i think people are thinking more about the types of workforce they're driving but I think as well, it's it's maybe a change in culture in HR to say, yes, I know it's important to have this, the hard skills, particularly in technology, but it's also important to create a type of workforce and, and listen to society in some ways. Do, do you yeah. think that's a change? I think that's, I think it's always been there. I think the, the need for it, that is. But I think yeah. it's it's been, now that there's so much change afoot in the world yeah. um, and 70% of the workforce and growing our millennials, yep. there's there's a an in your face need to not ignore what's in front of you, and also yep. there is empirical and hard data that suggests that it is more expensive <laughs> to lose candidates and have turnover than it is to retain them. So it's in your best interest as an employer to, you know, not just because it's the right thing to do. That's my opinion uh, to to create a more flexible employee centric workforce. Uh, because it keeps morale up but that translates into loyalty and retention and yeah. overall improved work yeah that's right and i think you know one of the things that we talk about a lot is the kind of mission the kind of mission driven business you know yeah. and that again is something that we, I, I will be honest that when we opened up in new york five years ago i think it is something that within american business culture has become something far more prevalent um, probably coming from the big kind of tech businesses, you know, the Googles and Facebooks, while they're not probably seen as the, you know, the, 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 the angels that they were maybe the start, but the start, they were very much a mission driven business, right? Connect the world, you know, don't do evil, that type of thing. And I think it's kind of pushed on from there. And that, that idea of a mission driven business we see is incredibly important for our candidates. You talk about the millennials, that's what they're looking for. Like, what is this business doing? What are they what they engage with more maybe even than the technology. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So it's, it's both within the culture and what the brand of that company is projecting out into the world. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. It, it, even if the mission is not directly something that is, let's say a nonprofit organization mm. um, or, you know, supplying and, and facilitating banking needs to those who are 
in a more socioeconomically deprived population, if they're if the company itself has a philosophy or an ethos that, that at least aligns with some social impact, that yeah. that can in many ways also motivate and attract talent. Yeah, exactly. And I think particularly in a world where you know, talent is in high demand, it's, in, it's imperative for the company itself to, to create this brand, to, to think about what it's, what it's representing and, and where it's going. And, and I think, again, that's on behalf of the, the recruiters, part of the talent team, the HR team and the leaders within the companies to really build that and think about it. You know, we see it a lot more now from the big corporates that we work with. Those questions sure. being asked, how can you help us with this? but also providing us with collateral. This is actually, you know, we've got a large client that's going to have a presentation to us and right, this is, this is how we want you to sell our business. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, that's my job is now I, I, I work that out. <laughs> 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 no, okay, if you want me to tell me exactly what to say, then I'll, I'll go for it. But I think it's, it's, it's key, isn't it, to kind of create the workforce that you want to create. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also, like I, to speak earlier to the point of, be humble about it. Don't yeah. be afraid to admit that where you may have screwed up or may where you may have gaps in your knowledge. I think people yeah. really appreciate that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and we're on a journey as a company, and we want yeah. to and kind of change, and we're, we're moving into the in the twenty twenties now, and that, and that sort of thing. So yeah, definitely, we're seeing that a lot. So so as a as someone within business um, over the you know last few years what, what would you say were some of the kind of significant business challenges that you've had to kind of deal with that that really have informed your your, your situation at the moment you know because obviously we're going through a real hard time at the moment but what what sort of kind of problems and programs have you looked back on that have helped you through this i mean i'll i guess i'll speak to the things i've learned from um or the things that are that that i've directly experienced and this is uh by no means completely inclusive of everything I've experienced, but big ones that stand out are being a recruiter, especially in-house is tough um, Mm -hmm. in a totally different way than working in an agency because it's one of the few business units and it is a business unit that is expected to know holistically what every department in a company does really inside and out. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that's a lot, you know, you're not, you're not just learning your role uh the the roles that you're sourcing for that given month or you know three months however long it takes to fill them you really have to embed yourself with those hiring managers it really early on uh it makes your job easier in the end um that's a skill that i've had to continue to develop in my career and um to that end hiring managers they're all different uh yeah it's true yeah some of them don't treat you like a, an advisor um and a, an expert some of them treat you like yep. a resource um you have to kind of get used to that and know where to advocate for yourself and really this is where data helps isn't it yeah by, by really showing them what has worked um yeah. way of recruiting uh, be it interview processes you know uh, be it retention numbers, um, even even internal statistics that, you know, hiring managers might not know that we keep as a talent organization, like time to fill, time to hire, those types of numbers. It's all really helpful to get all of that out of the way early on to build a better relationship with your hiring manager. It gives you more credibility, shows yeah. them that you know what you're doing and you actually have more experience in this realm than mm-hmm. they might. Um, and really, it's not a competition. You are, you're there 
to together to build together collaboratively aren't we yeah, yeah, yeah that's right yeah and you're just um, coming at it from different angles so those are two big ones that stand out but they're certainly not germane to me yeah sometimes people like to to own their own recruitment don't they, they you know they don't like yeah. to outsource it do they i think it yeah part, part of that is that kind of philosophy that if i'm a manager i'm i'm building my team it's my team you know i i, I worked for um, alexander man for for three years earlier in my career wow, yeah and that's what you see a little bit you know you, there's that there's always that slight pull against why are you doing this for me i, I quite like this part of my job from a hiring <laughs> man <laughs> Yeah. Other phone managers are very happy for never to actually get involved, don't they? So. Well, for better or worse, they need to be, uh, especially in this no. day. They need, they need to be involved, though. It's really a matter of finding really early on a cadence that works for you. And it's going to be different, just like all of your relationships in life are different. You're going to have to code switch between, you know, we do anyway, inherently as humans, right? The way that we speak to our parents is different than with the way we speak to our spouse or our bosses you know yeah. it's the same with any type of relationship but the hiring manager relationship is so critical especially mm. when that first search with that first hiring manager happens for the very first time yeah exactly yeah or, or i always found that and it's always makes me laugh you know you can have done 99 right and then there's always that job isn't there there's always that job but they're like well, what about yeah okay brilliant that's all great but what about that one and you're like oh yeah. i'm talking about it now <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the one where you come to the table five times and say, you know, we are not paying enough. Hey, yeah, that's right, this yeah. is what I'm seeing <laughs> for this level of experience. We need to recalibrate no. our expectations well, the here. Skill set that you've put these three skills together, which just doesn't exist. It's not possible <laughs> yeah. to do this, these three things at the same time. This is three jobs, you know, split it down. So now I think it's it's always interesting, and, and like you said, there are challenges because sometimes it can be a thankless task. Because one, there are always roles that you can't fill, and two more roles come so you know you never finish do you so you, you don't want to finish because obviously that means the company's not hiring so there you go but obviously you talked a lot about building those personal relationships in talent and getting to know the hiring managers probably getting to know your suppliers getting to know the you know the network that you work within mm-hmm. how has the last few months of lockdown effect, affected that how have you had to work differently well Kind of like I mentioned before, and, and certainly based on what I've heard from other colleagues with in other companies, there's at the very least a pause um, on hiring, right? At least certainly in March to reassess yeah. what is happening in the world. Where Where is our revenue going? Is it continuing to come in? Yeah. Prioritizing the, the mission critical needs of the business first before really assessing hiring needs. And so in those circumstances, you know, there's always going to be a, a Hiring is always going to take a first hit. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that it's you know a fatality for the talent team. It means mm-hmm. that they need to reassess before picking it back up again, mm-hmm. and that's an obvious effect. And in many cases, beyond hiring freezes, there are you know offers being rescinded, like I mentioned. And in the worst case scenario, there are layoffs. Um, but yeah. I think talent is continuing to keep a more keep more passive and opportunistic candidates engaged. In this climate, certainly my team is, and still pipelining, because we know, based on how our business is doing, that this is a finite thing, or at least we hope, right? Um, Talent is, on my team, especially, we're taking stock of processes that could be improved during this time. Um, You know, assessing our vendor relationships, continuing to strengthen them, just like we are with our candidate relationships, and still getting hiring managers engaged with opportunistic candidates. Like, I've had a couple of searches where we had to pause on a particular search 
because of COVID-19, but we were about to hire a couple of people and I'm still engaged with those people. And so is my hiring manager because right. at some point when, <laughs> when the spigot is turned back on, it's going to be fully on and we don't want to be starting from scratch when we're, you know, that network. And, and, and obviously there is, you know, there are, we're, we're calling it green shoots, but I would say now there are definitely companies and industries that are hiring heavily. You know, we're, we're seeing that. And then that becomes, even if you're not hiring heavily, that means that the retention becomes an issue, you know, and then there's probably kind of some gaps appearing that is not for growth. It's for, for, for replacements, isn't it? Yeah. Right. And, and another area that I hadn't even thought of initially as a, a place to focus, at least in talent at, at Vitek specifically, but, I think I would do this no matter where I was, is taking the time to, while we have it, to talk to executives and hiring managers about the changes that are coming to the office culture. Yeah. You know, they may or may not have their finger on the pulse of what's happening and they may, may or may not read the New York Times or the Guardian, but you know, remote work, uh, there is going to be a new normal. And remote work is something that we have to be prepared for, at least by way of being more accommodating for it in our workforce. It means expanding the, the actual global or national trajectory of where we're hiring people because of the remote workforce and even safety practices at work when we do open offices or if we have to have specific personnel like custodial staff or IT personnel come into the office what measures are we taking to make yeah. sure everyone's safe what if we roll out a you know a sort of rotation where some people are coming into the office on Mondays and Wednesdays. There's another population coming in Tuesdays, Thursdays. Preparedness to make candidates feel safe is another area where we're, that we're talking about in talent acquisition. Like mm. Beyond culture and beyond, which is a huge shift that we've seen in the last, and focus in the last couple of years, there's probably going to be, and we're already seeing it, at least I am on the ground, a need to make candidates Feel, rest, feel assured that they're not going to be laid off if yeah. we have another spike yep. in, in, the, in coronavirus. And that's interesting because that's not a focus that's been really present no. in the workforce in the last yeah. few years. Everyone's always felt that the world, obviously there might be some ups and downs, but overall the world, particularly if I'm in IT, because everyone needs IT, is yep. going to go on in a nice upwards trajectory and everything's kind of going to be fine forever. And yeah, I, think, I mean, you know, look at the right. look at the deluge of startups, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. There's there's the opportunities there, but and I don't think that's necessarily changed. And, and probably the success rate of those startups and those businesses growing has probably be similar. Um, but in the past, there was always other opportunities, weren't there? I think I think it's interesting to say about the kind of the workplace and kind of coming back to work and talking about kind of safety. Interestingly, GCS has um, opened up, started to open. Well, actually, we've opened up all our offices now. We're not mandating anyone to be in the office. So um, interestingly, I've been in the office a little bit. Um, and on Friday, last Friday, I was actually the only person in our 70 person office. So it's pretty easy to social distance when you're the only person <laughs> on your whole sales floor. Um, so we're obviously talking about how, how to use those offices and use them for the better and, and make them a more, like you said, a like more collaborative place, more welcoming place, more safe place. But also think about you know the types of types of things you want to do with your with your business and your office space, isn't it? You know, yeah. Um, rather than huge sales floors with lots of kind of sales consultants all kind of working together, or recruitment consultants. Um, do you think that the um, the role of talent in an organisation 
um, is, 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 is more kind of rounded now. It sounds like you feel like it's more rounded, more, more positive, more important <coughs> within, within any company now than it potentially was this time last year or something. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's so specific to an organization, but I think um, it, it's, it's, in my experience, the, where talent has the good fortune to sort of be able to play a bigger role and, yep. um, and wear many hats and sort of uh, be able to kind of switch gears when yep. something catastrophic happens has been in leaner organizations. Um, yeah, yeah. where teams aren't as big and uh where, where your where your work stream is maybe not as siloed yeah well, i guess i mean you talked about a business that understands all the areas of the business i mean it's a little bit like finance i mean finance controls the money right and knows yeah. what all the business is doing and then talent controls the people and knows what all those different areas are doing you know it's it's that integral to the business you wouldn't say oh we don't need the finance team that's and right that to me is, is what it's all about and uh, i really like your point you said about the onboarding because to me, I, I've worked with talent people and the best ones are very good at working with them after the, after the start. You know, the first three months is so key, isn't it? It's totally key. And it's, it speaks to your, your attitude toward your candidates, too, as a recruiter. If you just see them as, uh, an, you know, another revenue stream or another mm -hmm. sort of box to tick off, that's evident when you completely if you completely drop them and don't keep communicating with them to make sure that the manager or hr supporter whoever is is really yeah, leading yeah. what welcoming them and shepherding them into the the company you know is doing that yeah it's so it's so important isn't it kind of retention and, and making people feel part of that workforce and like you said it's so much easier to kind of keep someone than find another one isn't it's it so much easier yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i, I should know i'm a recruiter so yeah uh, not obviously if you work for gcs and it's easy you know um, <laughs> um so so looking looking forward you know and, and thinking as, as a leader within talent you know what 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 advice would you give to to project managers or cios or, or managers or leaders of businesses that are considering kind of like large scale or staffing now or in the next few months or what would you think the things they would need to kind of look out for or be aware of now yeah i mean certainly the flexibility of what candidates are worried about now what they care about now um so especially in the tech space um but yeah. i think more broadly safety and security is pretty paramount yeah. right now in this climate and probably for the next couple of years at least yeah. um and flexibility uh of, yeah. of work from home even if it's even if it's a hybrid approach, like coming into the office a few days a week rather than fully remote, yeah. um, just being just amenable to that conversation uh, mm. instead of no, this is our policy because it's always been our policy. Um, mm. Because the reality is, it's kind of an illusion. I mean, unless it's a hands-on role, it, most things can be done remotely, um, yeah. particularly in the technology space. Yeah. Um, and I would encourage leaders to take the time to put into practice a long-term, truly sustainable initiative, like both in and out of crisis. So you're not you know, in panic mode if something like this yeah. happens again. Um, other areas where I would advise is to make sure that you have a, a diversity of experiences at that table. So hiring yeah. leaders um, who run business units, really mm -hmm. the people at the top, uh, finance members, and talent experts at yeah. making these decisions together. I think that... Yeah 
ensures that you've got all the sort of critical perspectives. You're doing the right comp analysis in the marketplace to know what to pay these people. You know what candidates are, are thinking and feeling. You know how to optimize for efficient interview processes, which is really key in technology. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're competing, right? And so the, the, if we can be thorough and quick in interviewing, and that means knowing what you're interviewing for and building that process around that and training your staff to interview so that it's, you know, you're not asking the candidate the same redundant 10 questions in every interview. Those are all really key pieces of advice that I would give leaders. Um, mm. and, and stick with, you know, when times are tough, stick with continuing to be part of the process, continuing to build out the brand and mm. use the time to network and pipeline for evergreen roles and mission critical roles, um, you know, staying engaged with candidates in an opportunistic way. Yeah. Ensure that just ensuring that you are always beyond that open and honest about information, both internally and externally too. That's all part of the brand. So mm -hmm. maybe creating multiple paths for uh, putting your company's data out there that that may historically have been for internal employees only. Um, yeah, that's the, the, I know that's a lot, but these are uh, just sort of a list that I've come up with over over the last few years where I've seen. Uh, the things that we should be thinking about ahead of time. And, yeah, yeah. And I think you know, that's the thing I take from that is that if you're if you're setting talent as a as a key as it should be a key member of the the senior leadership team, you know, I'm going to bring the people in that are going to build this company. So therefore, I'm I'm as important as the finance team or as important as the IT team, because I'm the guy, I'm the guy, the person that um, that that provides the people to do this, right? So, and therefore, so I think looking at it as a as a real holistic project, like you would implementing a system or yeah. doing an audit. You know, this is how we do it. It's not just a couple of roles that we're going to kind of work on. It's it's really looking at every single part of the business, isn't it? And how that how we can like solve this and deliver this project as well as possible, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and how can technology help that, do you think? I mean, you, like you said you came from that data background, obviously the, the company that you're working with were looking at data with regards to talent. Um, have you got any thoughts on that? I mean, it's not just a people-centric business, is it? You know, how, how can tech help you? Yeah, I mean, first of all, educating yourself on what is out there. Um, and no better place to start than with your talent uh, workforce, <laughs> because we are always uh, aware if we're if we're doing it right of what tools might be out there, what plugins we can leverage to plug into our current ATSs um, to contact candidates more quickly. Uh, what um, you know, talent analytics tools we can be using to assess you know, really provide hard data to our, our hiring managers and beyond. Um, understanding the vast array of tools and what their uses are is just an easy way to expand your exposure really yeah. quickly. And also use the data at your fingertips to see where talent spends their time. So if there are, and this is just a fact, text is really becoming, thank you millennials, like a, a, a way forward, then don't be afraid to text them. If it feels uncomfortable to you, you'll you'll get over it that's what learning and growing is you know yeah. um because it, it it's always going it's an ever-evolving landscape like i can't think of any business unit that isn't really no, um, no. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I think you know, there's so, so many different tools out there, and and like you were saying about the different ways of kind of interviewing and moving people through the process. You know, I think even more now, the, there's so many different types of tech kind of out there, and 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 that yeah. then helps you to build that kind of EVP, doesn't it? Because you can yeah. be seen as as a company that's ahead of the curve, a company that's yeah. doing things differently. You know, we 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 know that if we're working with a company that is amenable to working in certain ways, being more flexible, um, interviewing in different ways, looking at more diverse workforce, generally the candidates will be more kind of interested in this company as well. So you're going to kind of win, if you know what I mean, which is what it's all about, isn't it? That's exactly right. <laughs> and, and I mean, there's technology out there that exists that aggregates net, you know, networking events, for God's sake. So yeah. you can physically or virtually, uh, for the time being, go to a very specific population of candidates and visit yeah. them via a meetup group, or you can uh, encourage your workforce to spend time on their passion projects via GitHub or Stack Overflow or open source, and you know get to know other people within the community there by virtue of yeah. Yeah. seeing their projects live in you know <laughs> yeah, in these exactly. platforms. Yeah. There's so much so much opportunity. I mean, that's what we found with the with the Connect events is that we've been able to go from in the last six months from you know, running small kind of uh, small physical events in pubs and hotels in, in different places to to actually running like hundreds of people and, and really like with really high level people like yourself talking to a kind of global audience. And it's, it's, it's very different how you can kind of connect to people very much more quickly than you used to be able to. So Absolutely. So, yeah. So, I mean, obviously in a, in a week where, you know, job figures and unemployment figures are I mean, you've been in the UK, right? So you've seen, you know, the the, the headlines of never have there been this many people at work since 1929 or something. Yeah. How do you think that that will change the the kind of the talent life world? You know, how, how do you think this huge surge of, of 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 unemployed people? Do you think it will balance itself out, or do you think it's a could even be seen as a good thing for a, for a talent company? There's more people available, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly one way to parlay it into, into the positive. And I, I, have, I have told myself that same thing. And I think in some circumstances, it's, it's, it, it's worked, it's paid off. I think, I think it's going to eventually level out. And I think if, if you're able to and fortunate enough to be stable enough financially as a company or a, even a freelancer to uh, use this opportunity, use this time when maybe you're not making placements or you're not actively bringing people into the firm at the pace that you were before, you, mm. you should still maintain that, you know, it, it's not just gonna go straight, it might not go straight back to a buyer's market, but these are still human beings. And our job mm. is really to, we're dealing with someone's livelihood at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. So maintaining a more candidate specific approach is going to need to remain. Um, anything short of that, is going to reflect, I think, on you, you know, as a, as a recruiter, if you're, if you're not continuing that ethos and taking the time to, to get to know candidates and make sure that they're okay. I think people remember how you make them feel. Um, and if they're just of no use to you and you need to go where the money is in that moment, sure, you've got to do what you've got to do to some degree. But if you've got the time at all, continuing to build long-term relationships and, mm -hmm. uh, not just focus on the numbers on that next hire that you're making it will pay off in dividends it's a long game right it, it will pay off in dividends 
And we talked before about diversity and creating a, a more um, inclusive workforce. Do you think now we've, this is an opportunity for companies to do that? Because maybe before it was like, like we've just got to get the person in. Just, just can, they, can they type the right buttons on the computer? Do you think this is a chance now for people to take a bit more time to, to consider more options? I think so. I think in some ways they may have to. Um, you know, there are certainly, initially, I, I kind of thought to myself, the talent pool must be massive right now. But, mm. it, you know, in some cases, for roles that I was working on, or for roles that, you know, my agency partners might be working on, mm. the, the shift had to be around skill set. So taking mm. the opportunity to allow your current employees to either reskill into and move into a role that maybe, you know, you maybe that they might not have been considered for previously is, mm. is a positive byproduct of this uncertain time. Also, maybe rethinking your job descriptions. You know, yeah, if yeah. maybe you can't afford somebody with 15 years of experience and maybe you need to really reassess if you need someone with that much experience yeah. given the workforce. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, that's, that's, that's all things that you can kind of do that in some ways give you a, a, a new, a new view on the world, don't they? You know, and, and these are the, like you said, it's, it's the time to, to assess how you're kind of going about building your workforce and the type of workforce that you want to build. Yeah, absolutely. And you're talking, you're, you have an opportunity to really meet more people. And by virtue of meeting more people, you'll hit a more diverse population. Uh, I think that's, that's just kind of a given when you're, going out into the world and networking more. And then again, diversity of skill set, like maybe yeah. reassessing what's actually essential for yeah. a, a specific role that you might be looking for. Yeah, exactly. Well, Hannah, it's been great to speak to you. Um, oh, likewise. I've really, really enjoyed this. Um, and I'm sure that anyone kind of watching or listening on the podcast will really be able to pick up some, some very insightful information about how to kind of build the right type of workforce and how to do it. Um, in a more in a collaborative way so thank you very much hannah it's been great to see you and uh, enjoy london it was my pleasure thank you very much i will awesome.